I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. I know the Lord liveth and blessed be the rock and let the God of my salvation be exalted. I know the Lord liveth and blessed be the rock and let the God of my salvation be exalted. And I will call upon the Lord. Good morning, family. Great to see everyone this morning. Uh, welcome to everybody. If you are a guest today, we want you to know that you are welcome here. We're glad that you're a part of our assembly. And anytime you come through our area, make sure you stop back and see us. We like to have uh, all our brothers and sisters from anywhere come and be with us. And if you're from our area and you are a guest today, we want you to know that you are welcome. And we want you to come back anytime you have a chance. Glad to have you a part of our assembly today. Nice to be with family around brothers and sisters in Christ, people that are trying to serve God. And this morning, I'd like to talk about our God for a little bit. Uh, I don't know about you, but you probably spent a lot of your week and not hearing a lot about the awesome and wonderful God you serve. Uh, you heard a lot about that a lot this week? What I've noticed is I don't hear about it much. If I don't bring it up or if I'm not talking to a brother or sister, uh, I certainly don't hear it. I just, I don't know, maybe it's my circles. I need to be around better people, you're saying. And you're probably right, but uh, I've noticed that uh, when I turn on my television, I don't hear them praising God very much. Well, I guess I could go on a certain station. Maybe I could, I could find some of that. Uh, I, people that I see going into Walmart, whatever it is, I just don't hear a lot of people saying, Oh, our powerful and mighty God. You guys hear that a lot? Doesn't really surprise me, right? Because there is a prince of this world, and it's not God, right? Uh, and in this world, we have to expect that Satan's powerful, and he's going to be doing a lot of things, and so therefore, uh, it's nice when we get together and talk, think, think about the one who we're really trying to serve, right? Uh, and that, of course, is our unchanging God. And I'd like to talk about that a little bit this morning to encourage my family, uh, our unchanging God. In a world where it seems like things are changing daily, uh, wow, technology is unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, it, really, I'm serious. Unbelievable. If you were to talk to someone in the 40s and tell them what it was going to be like today, technology, they would have said not only, oh, wow, that is extraordinary, amazing. They would say that is unbelievable. I do not believe that that's going to happen. And here we are. And we can do the things we can do. And I have a phone with me all the time, but I don't have it with me. It's in my office, right? Everybody's got a phone, everybody's got the internet, everybody can talk to one another, you can converse with people all over the world, you have access to so much information that, and it, really, I'm serious, people would say, no, that, that, that can never happen, and yet, it has happened, right? Things change daily, I mean, especially in technology, but in other ways also, things are different, things keep changing, but I serve a God this morning that is an unchanging God and yet is applicable and so real in 2019. The things that I'm going through today, my God not only knows about, but cares about and will help me through it. Amen, family? Now, that's extremely powerful when you think about, well, when you think about trying to live for God in a world that's controlled by the prince of darkness. 
Okay, when you, when you think about trying to be what God wants you to be in a situation where it seems like, I know it's not the case, but it just seems like we are bombarded with messages almost, in my mind, directly from Satan. I mean, I just see him working through so many things. And I'm like, ah, it scares me to try to live in this world. And without God, I don't think I could. Just don't think I could handle it without God's power, without Him leading and guiding. I just don't think that's possible to get through it. Satan is way too powerful to deal with. This morning, I want to talk about the God that can help us in every situation. Now, I want to start, there's three or four verses that I want to look at as I begin. The first one, you look in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. I find that's interesting how uh, God Himself says that I am God, yes, I am, I haven't changed all right still the same God uh, no this is over actually in James chapter 1 verse 17 probably very familiar to many of you if you look at the context in James chapter 1 what you'll find is just a few verses earlier James just got through saying that I'm a, saying that there is no temptation that's going to be able to overtake you all right matter of fact he even says that when you're tempted you can't you don't never want to say that God is tempting me God doesn't do that, right? He doesn't bring bad things on you. And it's in that context when he says God is always going to help you through those times that he says that every good and perfect gift is from, is, is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. And it's not going to be different. What God says he's going to do, he's going to continue to do. He's not going to stop doing those things. If he promises certain things, like, he's going to continue to do it. I mean, that's what he said he's going to do. So this morning, I want you to know that our God is not like sifting shadows. It doesn't change. It's not going to be different. I remember this verse over in Numbers chapter 23. might not be as familiar, of course, as, a, as one from James, but still might be fairly familiar to you. This is, of course, when <coughs> Balak was asking Balaam, the prophet, to, hey, can you call on God to bless my people? Balak was the, the uh, king of Moab at the time, and he was, hey, come on, do it, bless the people. And so God, through Balaam, <laughs> says, nope, not going to bless you, you're going to be cursed. Oh, and that really messed uh, Balak up. He said, oh, no, wait a minute, you're saying the wrong things, right? Now, you need to change that and go back. And i tell you what, matter of fact, if you read the context, i tell you what, let's go to a different spot, and you can see my enemies and see how bad they really are, and then maybe you'll change your mind. Right? Maybe, maybe God will give a different uh, answer to my blessing request. And so they go to a different spot, and he sets up seven more uh, altars, and he's going to offer some more stuff, right? And so then Balak says, okay, Balaam, now what does God say? And God says, I told you what I said. And this is what he says, God is not man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Now, now we can look at that and we say, oh, how silly, right? But don't we do that today? I mean, too many times, that's the way we look. God, now, surely you didn't mean that, right? You got to, I mean, come on now, things are different, right? Look, look at it from this perspective. Now, is it okay, right? God is not, that doesn't change like that. He doesn't decide one thing and then say, no, and it's really not like that. Let's go to this or, or tell us that this is something you shouldn't do. And years later, he looks at society from this angle and says, oh, no, it's okay now. No, God doesn't do that, right? Doesn't change like that. Doesn't change his mind. And, of course, the last part I'm going to focus on more today, and that's the idea, does he promise and not fulfill? If God says he's going to do something, do you guys believe he's going to do it? 
here's the, here's the thing about that. If that were the case, and everybody in this world believed that God is going to do what he says he's going to do, don't you know every one of them would follow him for the rest of their life? If they really believed that God was going to fulfill his promises. The only way that you can go through life and not follow God is to not believe that there is a God, not believe that the Bible is true, not believe that his promises are what, they, what he says they were going to be. That's the only way you can do it. Because if you have that belief in your life, that changes everything, right? That's going to make you different. So, this morning, a few things to look at about our unchanging God. The first thing I want to look at is his nature, the nature of God. I put up there, he's infinite, almighty, all-powerful, awesome, okay? Now, those words are used in a way that to me, describes something that is, goes a little bit beyond description, right? I mean, and, and I understand that I'm, I'm going to have a, three or four uh, different slides and, and talking about different things about God, and uh, I am going to admit right now that every one of them will fall short of totally describing about God. And, and when you talk about the nature of God, I'm not even touching the hem of the garment. I'm just giving us this idea to expose us to the thoughts of what's His nature, all right? This is talking about God, all right? What words would you use to talk about His nature? Infinite. He has no beginning. He has no end. All-powerful. Almighty. You see what I'm saying? It's like trying to describe something that goes beyond my thinking. It goes beyond my comprehension. And yet I'm trying to put words that I do know to try to describe that God. His nature is outside of my realm of understanding. I mean, okay, Rick, tell me what God's like. I can't. I just can't do that. I, I, can't, I can't put into words about this all-powerful, all-knowing, all-awesome God. Now, sometimes I look at those words and I say, well, those are, those are great and powerful and, and good things. Well, there's another side to that, isn't there? Because when I think about something that is infinite and almighty and all-powerful and awesome, I could look at it like, oh, yeah. Also could, like, could look at it like, oh, no. That scares me to death. So some things about God's nature that I didn't put on there is scary. Overwhelming. We are in awe of, meaning that this is something that we can't stand in the presence of. Now, I say those things, hopefully, for two purposes. One, of course, is to, is to remind us of the kind of God that has done what He has done for us. I mean, the almighty, all-powerful, awesome God that has done, and, of course, if that's the case, can do anything He wants. Okay, That's the God that loves you like He does. Okay, now that's one part of it. But I also want to remind you that this all-powerful, awesome, almighty God has in His wisdom, and in His teaching, said, commanded, written down through inspired people, ways in which we should conduct ourselves. Things we should have in our lives, and things we shouldn't. Same God. Now, I understand that there are people who will try to reject that, no, nothing different, Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Since the, creation of the gods, since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and His divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Now they try to make them, 
and they'll keep doing it. But the idea is this powerful and awesome God has said what he has said. One thing I've noticed about the nature of God, as I read, especially in the Old Testament, how tolerant is God of sin? How tolerant is God of sin? Here's the deal about God. No, zero tolerance when it comes to sin. He has no tolerance. In, in other words, I don't know of a person, I mean there may be one, but I don't know of anybody who doesn't have at least to some degree some tolerance of anything and everything in life. And yet, this God has absolutely zero tolerance when it comes to sin. He can't, it's not part of His nature. It will not be part of His nature. So therefore, it puts us in a really rough spot, doesn't it? Now, I'm not speaking for you. Well, I guess I am speaking for you. I think I can say it pretty well across the board. No, I can say it across the board. All men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So therefore, we can say that here we were created in His image, and yet we messed it up. We let sin come in. And because of that, we're now separated from God. His nature won't tolerate sin. Now, I say those things this morning to encourage all of us. Two things. One, to realize who God is. But secondly, if you've got some sinful stuff in your life and you're letting it stay there, this is the God you're going against. The almighty, all-powerful, awesome God. You're saying you don't care what He said? You're saying, I know what He says, but I think I'll do it my way anyway? How tolerant is He of that? Absolutely none. Here's the thing about God's, God's nature. It doesn't change. Same. Same all the time, every day. For all eternity. Now, that's his nature. But what about, and this kind of goes along with it. Matter of fact, I was thinking, well, maybe I'm talking about two things that are the same. See that on the eyeball, they can't see that. You can do things in real life that they can't see on the podcast, so they don't even know I did that. His character, all right? Uh, now, to me, it's a little different than his nature, all right? Because his nature is, if you were going to say, this is God. This, this is, if you were going to describe the powerful, almighty God. But if you were going to say, well, what's his personality like? Tell me something about this awesome, all-powerful, almighty God. Well, there were certain things that would come to my mind, and, and, and I'm sure to yours also. And a matter of fact, you might even say uh, strictness. You know, because of what we just got through saying, those might be the things that come to your mind, strict and, and, and by the book and zero tolerance. Intolerance may be more, more that we would apply to, a, to an idea of character. But this morning, there are certain things that just came to my mind because these are the things that I think are overpowering when you read about our Lord. And again, this is not an exhaustive list. I mean, I, you could have many, many other things that you would put in there, okay? But here's some things I thought about, and maybe you would also. Here's things that doesn't change about God's character. He is merciful. He is justice, faithfulness, wisdom, patience, holiness, compassion, truth, goodness, generous, and of course, maybe above all others, when you talk about God, you would say God is love. Right. Matter of fact, you could sum up a lot of all those other things, and maybe all of those other things, by saying that God is love. 
his character? What's he like? Tell me about the character of God. I think we would say, well, if you can imagine loving to the ultimate degree where there's nothing held back, loving to the point that there, it goes beyond all feeling, it goes beyond all logic, for I believe it does. I mean, when I look at myself, it's not logical for God to love me. Why would he love me? I have nothing to offer. All I do is mess up everything he says, and yet he loves me anyway. I'm confident of that from reading my Bible. I, I'm confident that he loves me. Here's the thing about God. You could be the worst person in the world. You got, wait a minute, I'll ask you this instead of telling you this. Maybe you don't agree, so I'll give you a chance, right? You could be the absolute worst person, and I say worst, I mean involved in all kinds of simple things. Forget about God, and you might even say I'm an atheist, or I don't believe in Him whatsoever. God still loves you. Does everybody agree with that? All right. Now, here's the thing. If you're, you're God's child, you're giving your life to Him, you're, you're, you're doing your best to follow Him, and, and God loves you. Everybody going to go amen with that? All right. Here's the weird thing about God. He doesn't love you any more than he loves the other guy. Loves them all the same. Now, I don't mean by that that he accepts it. I don't mean by that that he is embracing as far as being in his fellowship. I'm just saying that the sacrifice that was made was for all people because he loved them. Every one of them just the same. And so therefore, when you and if we are supposed to love others as he loves us, Okay, wouldn't it make sense that that's the way we would look at others also? Now, that's a different lesson, but the idea being, this is part of the character of God. And if you want to describe it in one word, you would probably use the word, well, he's very loving. And that's, that describes who God is. Now, because of that, he's also uh, very strict, and he's also justice, and, and he's also, you know, demands truth and, and following truth. But there's a lot of things that go along with that. And maybe you want to throw those out when you say loving because too many times what I want to do is talk about a feeling I have instead of something that says, if you truly love me, you will do, anybody know? You will do what I command you. You will follow my commands. That's what our Lord says. So therefore, we can actually prove if we love God or not. God is loving. I thought about this verse. This is actually in Ephesians chapter 2. You guys have probably read this many times. But this is talking about the character of God. Well, can you describe it or put it into words for me? Well, because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in transgression. Does that not describe the character of God? That's what He's like. That's that. I mean, tell you about what God's like, His character, there it is. He's so merciful and loving that He would do anything for us, even when we're dead in transgression. It is by grace that you have been saved. It's a gift to given to you, right? That's grace. It was given to you. God raised us up with Christ, seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show His incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. There's what God is like. Now, there's a lot of other things. I'm not saying I have an exhaustive list. I'm just saying if you want to talk about some overwhelming things that you can find out about God and His character in reading the Bible, here are some things that would jump out at you. Right, the things that really are overwhelming about my God. And they are. They were. And they are. Does everybody go along with that? This is what He was like. But it's also what He is like. Okay, nod your head if you agree with that. This is what God was like, and it's also what He is like. 
Okay. It's also what he's going to be like. Okay. Now, I hope that brings to you great encouragement. And I hope that you can think about your relationship in Christ and you are, when you hear those words, you are thinking, oh, yes, I am so glad that my God is like that. But for some in this building and for many in my world, they hear those words and it scares them to death. They don't like that. They don't like to think about God. They don't like to think about Him coming back. They don't like to think about, about what He has done because they have not responded to that. It has made no difference in their life. As a matter of fact, many of them, they don't believe it at all. They just go through life like there is no God. And that's a scary concept to think about this kind of God loving and caring about me. They don't want to do that. Also brings me to my next point when I think about this unchanging God. There's something about Him that we need to remember. First of all, it is the fact that He makes promises. And he follows through. I understand you live in a world where people make promises all the time. Okay? And sometimes they do. And sometimes they do not. They say, I don't know who they are. I guess you can do a little statistic and find this one actually. And then you can find out if it's true or not. But uh, over 50% of the marriages in the U.S. Uh, I don't know about the world. I just, uh, I mean, I'm not sure about that. I didn't look that up. But in the U.S. end in a divorce. Everybody pretty aware of that, I'm, I'm sure. You know, that means that at least 50% of those that get married lie. Well, I assume they lie. If I do a wedding, I make them promise. Do you? Are you going to stay with this person through... Till death do you part? And you know what all of them say? Every one of them that I've ever done. You know what they said? They all of them lied. I mean, not all of them lied. But half of them lied. They said, yeah, we're going to do that. And they didn't. They said they were going to stay faithful to the spouse, but they didn't. Right? Said they were going to stay married, but they didn't. Matter of fact, I even, in, in the, in the, uh, when I do a wedding, I even say, do you promise to love them until death do you part? And all of them promise, yes, I'm going to do that. And yet, they lie. I say that to say this. Oh, well, I don't know. It's, not nothing any, it's nothing new to anybody in this building. You know people break their promises, don't you? I mean, and it's not, just, it's not just the marriage vows. People break their promises all the time. Business deals. Yeah, son, I'll, I'll be there, I promise. Liar. Say things, but you don't follow through. Now, the reason I bring that up is because sometimes, if we're not careful, we'll put so much of the personality of people into God that we forget that if God says he's going to do something, you can look at it two different ways, right? If God says He's going to do something, He is going to do that. Everybody going to go with that? Now, because of that, again, for some, at least God's children, we say, all right, amen. We're thrilled about that. God is going to do what He says He's going to do, and we are thrilled to think about that. For some, that is a very scary concept, right? But here's the thing. If God says it, He's going to do it. And yet... Many times I just let myself stay in those sinful stuff knowing that God is going to do what He says He's going to do. Believing that His promises are true. Right? Several things about God's promises, oh family. And I just talked to my brothers and sisters who've given their life to Christ. Our God promises He will never leave you or forsake you. Amen. 
What a privilege. What a, what a blessing to be part of God's family, to know that he will not leave us nor forsake us. You look at Deuteronomy chapter 31, actually those particular words are used there. The Lord himself will go before you, and he will be with you, talking to, of course, the children of Israel as they were going through some really rough times. He says he will never leave you or forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Those are powerful words given to the children of God. Kind of reminds us of Jesus' words in Matthew 28, doesn't it? As he tells his disciples, I want you to go to the world and I want you to teach everybody about me. And lo, I am what? I am with you. Even to the end of the age, I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to be with you. That's what our God promises. And his spirit lives with us and in us and through us to this very day. And will continue to. That's his promise. He will never, ever leave us. Now, I don't mean by that you can't leave him. I'm just saying that God will never leave you on his own accord. Right? You could choose to reject him and throw him out, but as far as God's concerned, he will always be there with you. I thought about this promise, and I want to close with a couple of ideas. When I think about the promises of God, our Lord will return. Now, if you believe any of the promises of God, I want you to believe them all, but here's another one that I'd like you to think about. Our God says Jesus will come back for his people. John chapter 14, very familiar. I read this a lot, especially when I'm doing a funeral of a, of a Christian. Uh, you guys are probably, if you've done funerals and you know what I mean, this is a very positive and powerful thing to remind people of. And that, of course, that Jesus says, I'm going to there to prepare a place for you. And if I'm going to go and prepare a place for you, I will come back so that you, uh, to take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. Those are powerful and wonderful words. All right? Now, it's confusing to many people. Matter of fact, if you read in that particular context, you'll find it was confusing to some people that were standing right there. And Jesus says, no, no, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You come through me, I can take you to be with me for all eternity. My promise is I will not leave you. I will come back for my people. One more verse, and I'm going to close today. This is in 2 Peter chapter 3. I am not going to read all of 2 Peter chapter 3, so I encourage you to look at the context there. I'm just going to look at some verses there in, in, in 2 Peter, okay? So just want you to know that before I start. All right, first of all, you must understand, Peter says, in the last day, scoffers will come. In other words, people, ha, ha, yeah, phew. Uh, I don't know how else to put it, scoffing, you know what I'm talking about, right? They're kind of making fun of it. Oh, yeah, you guys are ridiculous, right? That's kind of the idea, right? They will scoff. They will follow their own evil desires. They'll say, where is this coming that he promised? He said he was going to come back. Where is he? Well, ever since our fathers died, everything goes on since the beginning of the creation. In other words, nothing's changed. You said he's going to come back, but he hasn't yet. You know, the sad thing is that even sometimes... Christians, people that follow, say they're following Christ, all right? They live like this also. Oh, he's not. Where is he? He hasn't come back yet. And mm, what is so scary is some, even at times, proclaim Christianity, and yet we keep some things in our life that, that prove that maybe we don't believe this after all, or maybe we are these scoffers. He hasn't come back yet. I think I'll go ahead and live like this and have these things in my life. And mm, Careful. Because Peter goes on, doesn't he? That's what they said, but Peter talks about it. Well, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. I mean, you might, that's, that may be the way you understand slowness, but that's not the way God understands slowness. Here's the thing about our God. There is no time with God. Ooh, I know that's hard for me to comprehend, but God doesn't say, well, it's been a long time since I was on that earth last. No, he doesn't say that. I mean, 
a day is like, well, it's like a thousand years. And a thousand years, that's like a day. Right? There's no time involved. People can say, oh, it's been a long time, really. Compare, compared to what? According to whom? All right? Then he goes on to say, well, that's not like you're understanding slowness. He's just saying that he's patient with you. and He didn't want anybody to perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance. But here's the promise. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And earth and everything in it will be laid bare. It's a promise. Also a threat. Sometimes we don't like to think about it like that. I think in this particular case, Peter was using it as a threat. You guys need to straighten up. Quit scoffing like this because he's coming back, right? It's promised, but it's also, hey, get ready for it, right? He goes on to say this. In keeping with this promise, we, talking about God's children, are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, home of righteousness. Things are going to be different when he comes back. And then he says this. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, you know his promises is true. You know he's coming back. You know you have to follow him. You know you have to be his child. Since that's the case, you're looking forward to this. Make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. This morning, I encourage you. You know this is going to happen, so do whatever you got to do to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with him. If you are not, do whatever you got to do to make sure you're right with your Lord. He'll give you a chance to respond to Christ. He calls you to come to Him as together we stand and sing this song.